Welcome to the Raising Successful Kids podcast. This is a podcast where we will discuss and explore how to raise children to be successful in all areas of their life. Irene Santanier is a working mum of an entrepreneurial child and shares a passion with her husband to see children succeed. And now, introducing your host, Irene Santanier. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Raising Successful Kids. Thank you for joining me today. Now at the time of recording, we're still in the middle of this lockdown situation uh, due to COVID-19. And I don't know how you're coping with the situation of being self-isolated or being in your own space with your family. But I know for some people it's proving to be quite difficult, quite challenging Um, We're only a family of three. There's only me, my husband and our teenage son. But even us as a small family of three are still finding it challenging to be together every single day, all of the time. Um, And what I'm noticing as well is that uh, we're, we're starting in this second week of lockdown to not grow apart but to just start doing things for on our own. So, for instance, you know, my husband runs his own business from home, so he, he's quite happy to work on his own. He's used to being on his own. He's used to having the house to himself. Um, when I've, you know, gone out to my job or gone off to see the clients that I have and our son's at school, he's used to occupying himself and being very disciplined in organising his time running his business and he's kind of still doing that as well but he's changed because we're both here um he loves the fact that we're both here and he's still being very disciplined but he's kind of relaxed in how he's taking every day me on the other hand where I'm used to having my routine of every single day getting up at the same time I've kind of taken advantage of the fact that I don't actually need to be up at 5:30 in the morning um I don't have a job, a part-time job that I'm going to go to because I'm currently on furlough. So yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying the fact that I can sleep in a little bit longer than normal. Um, although the bright mornings now, I tend not to sleep in when the bright mornings are here, and that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. But I've managed to fit in every day. I've managed to fit in regular exercise, which I was struggling to do before. Regular in in-house exercise and then you know obviously we're allowed to go out for about an hour every day for a walk and exercise so I try and do that most days Uh, eating much more healthily drinking lots of fluid staying hydrated you know doing all of those things and noticing that our teenager is spending a lot more time in his room than probably we've noticed him do before and whilst I understand that that's something that is going to happen you know they're not going to be He's not going to be around us all the time or actually want to be around us all the time. Um, It's probably becoming much more noticeable because we are in the house all of the time at the moment or for the majority of the day, we're all together. Uh, And it's, in some ways, it's a little bit of a struggle, you know. Um, That's me being very honest. I wasn't expecting him to be hanging on my coattails all the time. But it is a, it has become a bit of a challenge to even get him to try and spend some time with us. Um, and he's become, I've noticed that he's becoming actually quite strong willed about stuff. 
he's growing up. He's 14, he'll be 15 this year. Um, he's growing up, he's growing into his own independent person, you know, in three years' time. He's going to be old enough to get married, for goodness sake. At 18 years of age, he's going to be old enough to get married. But it's interesting to see, uh, whilst we're all together in in one location for extended periods of time, actually how strong-willed he is. And, of course, he takes after his father. He doesn't take after me. I'm not particularly strong-willed at all in that respect. But he is he's very much um, turning into a strong-willed teenager. Well, no, actually, he's always been strong-willed, but it's probably more noticeable now that he's a teenager. Um, because when they're small, when kids are small and they're strong-willed, you can negotiate better with them. You can offer them a compromise and they'll usually come around to your way of thinking. Uh, it's a lot harder when they're older um, because they can argue better, um, much more eloquent than when they're five years of age. And, you know, they're growing up. Kids grow up. Um, teenagers become much more independent and probably without you even realising that they are becoming independent. And then suddenly you realise, actually, who is this person that's standing in front of me, pushing at my rules, nudging my buttons and, and making me see red where I normally see green? So, you know, this push and pull between teens and parents and carers or whoever, wherever it is that you have teenagers in your life, it's perfectly normal. It's something that, you know, we have to be absolutely aware of that's going to happen. It's going to happen. But it's also quite stressful for everybody involved. Um, you know, teenagers experience a natural desire uh, to create their own identity outside of their family. Um, so it's it can be hard letting teenagers, young people, it can be hard letting them go for them to take the reins of their own life, you know, but it's something that we have to do. It's something that I'm learning to do because that, otherwise how are they going to build resistance and confidence when they're outside? They're not always going to have their mummy and daddy with them to be able to do stuff with for them or stand up for them or speak for them. They have to learn to stand on their own two feet. Um, so, yeah, it's really important that how do you deal with a strong-willed teenager so that it doesn't become a battle, so that you, every conversation you have with them doesn't turn into World War Three, which obviously it has the potential that it can. And there are a lot of families out there, I know, that that doesn't, this doesn't resonate with them at all. And, you know, I take my hats off to you. I take my hat off to you because if that's the case, then congratulations. Uh, but I think for a lot of families, it's not like that. It is a potential battleground every single time you start a conversation. So it's important to, you know, think about what, what are you going to do? What tools are you going to have in your toolbox to deal with a strong-willed teenager? So, you know, it's like anything, it doesn't it, any child, you've got to have boundaries in place. Um, and teenagers love to have boundaries. Adults love to have boundaries. We don't like chaos. We don't like um, not knowing where, where our boundaries are set. Um, and those boundaries, establishing those boundaries, you know, they, they're there to keep your child healthy. They're there to keep your teenager happy. 
um, whilst also respecting their own desire that they have for independence. It's not easy. It's not easy to set those boundaries in place, but it is completely doable. Uh, we have to be specific. You have to establish clear and concise rules about what the boundaries are. You know, rather than um, saying, stay on top of your homework, uh, don't let your homework get out of control. Uh, you need to actually let them know what your expectations of them are, what those expectations look like. So it could be something like, you know, I need to see your, um, our son has a homework diary. So I need to see your homework diary so that I'm, so I know that you're keeping on top of what, what it is that's been set for you this week. Um, and I need you to start, I need you to tell me when you're, when you're going to start your homework. I need you to de decide for yourself when you're going to start your homework and let us know as a family so that we know that that restriction is in place. So if um, our son, for instance, comes home from school around four o'clock, if he decides he's going to do his homework between five and six, well, then I know that he's doing his homework between five and six and I'm not to disturb him in that time. He chooses not to use that time for his homework, then that's another issue. That's not what I'm talking about here. It's about establishing that boundary in the family that between five and six, that's his homework time. That's what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and he wants that independence to get it done. So he's allowed that independence to get it done. There's no confusion. Uh, I know what my expectations are that I'm expecting him to do it. He knows what his expectations are, that that's when he's going to do it um, and not to be interrupted in that time. <clears throat> so not to be called down for dinner or can you come and sort your washing out or that kind of idea. He's getting on and doing what he's told us. It's all been set out and decided. So, you know, have to be specific. If you're specific and clear, that's one potential avenue of battle that's been closed down. Another good idea is to set those boundaries before they've before they need to be set. Okay, so um, that's especially relevant around critical things. So if you have a young person who's already at the stage where they're driving um, and they're out and about, and you have no control over where they're going you know, what they're doing once they've got in the car and you've waved them goodbye. But you can set the boundaries before they start on that journey or before they start, you know, when they're taking their driving tests or their lessons, that you have a conversation around safe driving um, before they even get behind the wheel. Uh, you don't do things like texting when you're driving. Uh, you don't drive with ear pods in so that you can't hear what's going on outside. Uh, you can't hear ambulances and police cars, etc. coming up behind you. Um, you. Driving is something particularly that's heavily influenced by their friends, by their peer group. So you need to get in there and set the boundaries of what your expectations are of them before it becomes an issue, before something terrible happens. Um, and, you know, it goes without saying that if if you are somebody who who does do those things, does text while you're driving, which you shouldn't do, or doesn't, um, you know, has earpods in or whatever it might be, so you can't hear what's going on around you, 
then it's no point telling them that they mustn't do that if that is what you're doing. You know, you've got to lead by example. And that's the case at any age, but even more so with teenagers, because they will bring it up time and time again. Well, why are you telling me to do that when you're not doing it yourself? So, you know, you need to make sure that whatever expectations, whatever boundaries you're putting in place, that those are ones that that you are following yourself. Okay. You also have to think about how you talk to a strong-willed teenager. Uh, talking to a teenager is not the same as talking to a younger child. That sounds really obvious, but there are so many parents, and I'm, you know, I have this problem myself sometimes that you don't talk to them the same way as, as you did. Um, they need you need to adjust your communication style, and, and I've had to do this a lot adjust my communication style because I've got a young I've got a young adult standing in front of me who's you know five, six inches taller than I am, so I'm having to look up to him and still having that air of authority and respect um when I'm doing that. So, you know, I can't talk to him in the same way that I would have spoken to him when he was ten or when he was seven or even twelve. You know, he's a young, he's a young man, they're young adults, so you start to treat them as if they are young adults, the fact that they are, and you're showing, you're giving them the respect that they're due, you're acknowledging the fact that they're growing up and that they're maturing. So start communicating openly about why you have the rules in the house that you do, why you have the boundaries set in your home that you have, um, and allow your teenager to come in with their own thoughts about that. You know, they might see things in a different way that actually complement those boundaries that you are setting as a family. So allow them to be part of that conversation. And it also encourages them, I think, to um, imagine the results of their actions. So, you know, it's always better than you telling them what those results would be if they're actually actively involved in that conversation and being part of it. Then nine times out of ten, they can usually work out that if they carry on down that road, then this is going to be the consequence. Um, and, you know, hopefully then they'll turn around and say, OK, well, maybe that's not a good idea. Why don't we try it like this? Um, but it's always better to involve them as much as you can. I think also you need to recognize that the issue might be you. Um, and, and this was a bit of a eye opener for me that I had to recognize that sometimes the issue was me and it took somebody else to tell that to me. And, and I kicked against it for a while. So no, it's, it's obviously not me because I'm the parent and I'm the adult. It has to be this and it has to be them and blah, blah, blah. And Lying in bed one night, I suddenly I was rethinking a conversation, and I just suddenly thought, actually, it probably is me, and I need to do something about this so that one, I don't lose that connection with my teenager, I don't lose connection with other teenagers that I have in my life, nieces and nephews, and um, kids of friends, people at church, and it was really important for me to think. And to recognise that actually I I had a bit of an issue here and I needed to do something about it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard when you're watching your child. We only have one. 
So, but I, I don't think it lessens however many you have. Um, it's hard watching them grow up, watching your baby grow up suddenly bef- before your eyes. They're, you know, one minute they were holding your hand when you walked across the road. The next minute they're walking across the road and you're in the middle of talking. You think, where have you gone? Oh, okay. And they're on the phone to their friends. And, you know, there are occasions when I look at my, our teenager and I think, when did it happen that you were suddenly this tall and that you grew, grew this big and that your voice got so deep and, you know, all of those things, it just seems in a flick of an eye that it's, it's changed so quickly. And of course it isn't, but, um, it does seem that way. So you have to acknowledge, I think as a parent, that, that, that pain of watching them grow away from you is real. Um, and, I would even hasten to say if you only have one, if you have only one child, it's even more intense because it's the, it's the first, every first is a last. So the first time that they um, start to move away from you or, you know, they get in the car and drive away and that kind of thing, you're not going to experience that again. Um, You haven't got another child to go back and hug and um, all that, you know, all of that. So it is quite an intense pain. Uh, but you have to acknowledge that part of what you're feeling, part of the reaction that you're going through is because you, you're not prepared to let them grow up. You're not prepared to face the fact that they're growing up. Um, you know, sometimes there's a lot of guilt around that. There's a lot of shame around that about how you were as a parent when they were growing up and you're trying to make up for it as they're getting older and you realize that the time is running away with you. Um, and you've got less time to make, you know, put right what you had once done wrong. But, you know, it's not going to happen. You're not, if that's the case for you, you're not going to have that time back again. What's happened has happened. Um, of course, you know, that window of opportunity to make things right never really shuts. It just changes because you're now dealing with a young adult who's going to grow into an adult um, who's going to potentially be a lot taller and a lot bigger than you are. So, yeah, you just have to acknowledge that there are things that you have done wrong. Um, potentially all of us do things wrong. Nobody gets it right. Uh, it doesn't come with a list of instructions when you get a baby. So um, you just have to acknowledge that, yeah, okay, I did things wrong, but I'm always, it's just me and I still love you the same way. I love you very dearly um, and I'll always be here from you for you. Because your your child, however old they are, they're always going to need you. They're always going to um, want to have you there. It's just going to be very different. As I already said, how they needed you when they were five is very different to how they needed you when they were 10. Um, and then very different at 15, 20 and moving on. Um, and so as your child grows up as the children that you're mixing with and caring for and coaching grow up, whether that's in a youth group, a church group, wherever it might be, as they grow and change, then you grow and change with them. Okay. And be excited about that journey. Enjoy that journey. Um, It builds trust. uh, It strengthens and deepens relationships. um, And it makes that idea of letting go much much easier resisting 
allowing the young people in your lives to run, you know, learn how to run their own lives just makes that whole process of letting go and growing up much more painful. And if they're strong willed, if you've got strong willed young people in your life, it's going to make it incredibly difficult and painful. And you don't want that. You don't want to break that relationship. You don't want the memories to be always of pain and upset. Um, you want it to be a relationship that has depth and strength and where they, where they know that they can always come back to you at any point in time. Okay. And I think it's really important that you show vulnerability as an adult. Um, cause a lot of times the way that we as parents or carers or coaches, uh, react sometimes to situations, it comes from a place of fear. Um, you know, when you have to say no to that young person, um, who, for instance, I don't know, wants to go into town with a group of friends that you don't know, they're just, friends and like for instance my son's friends are all called my mate or my friend they don't actually have any names but you don't know who these people are when they're in um here anyway it's called infant school when they're in infant school up to year six you know who the parents are you know all the kids um but once they go to senior school you lose track of who those people are you have absolutely no idea who they are most of the time. You might know a few, you might know the immediate circle of friends, but you don't know the wider circle. So when the time comes that you have to say no, because you don't want them going into town with a group of friends that you don't know, etc., it's, it's, I think, important to show them that you're vulnerable. Tell them what you're afraid of, and that's what's making you say no. Um, it shows that you're vulnerable. And yes, sometimes that can be seen as a weakness, but I think it's also a strength. Um, if they can see that you're vulnerable, if they can, if your teenager can see that you're vulnerable, you know, it opens up different avenues of communication uh, and it allows your young person to share the reasons why or why not the fear that I'm feeling is justified. And it allows a different, a different conversation to take place. So if they are strong-willed, and normally that would turn into a battle, um, by showing your vulnerability to them and saying, these are the reasons why I don't want you to go, and having them take part in that conversation, a different conversation takes place completely. And... You know, they can see the reasons why you're vulnerable and they, you can, you have that discussion with them. Okay. Now, the last point I just wanted to cover before we finish off for today, this might sound really, really obvious. It might sound really, really obvious. And part of me is saying, I don't even know why I have to say it, but spend time with the young people in your life. If they're your own children, spend time with them as teenagers. Okay, they might not want to if they're being strong-willed particularly, but it really is a timeless gift that you're giving them by spending time with them. Um, and I think also it's a bit of a myth that teenagers don't want to spend time with their parents or to spend time with their carers. 
They don't want to be in the adult, in the company of adult people. Now, me and my son were away in Thailand just recently on an internet marketing, um, event that took place for a week. He was by far the youngest person there. Everybody else was much young, much older. Um, but he made great friends with some people who were, you know, in their fifties, forties and fifties made great friends and he would be sitting there laughing and joking with the male and female. And it made me so proud that that's, you know, that's the person that he is. Um, and then he would say to me, come on, mum, we're going to go to the gym. Come on, mum, let's go down, let's go down to the beach. Um, and he just wanted to spend time with me, which I, I took as a, an immense privilege because, you know, not, there are many days when he doesn't want to do things with us. And that's how they are when they get older. There are many times when they potentially don't want to spend all their time with you or some time with you. So I take joy in the, in the times that he does want to spend time with us or me or just my husband. Um, and I don't question it. I just go with it. And if it's a walk into town, if it's a walk around the village, into the woods, then I just do it. I drop whatever I'm doing. If I can, I drop whatever I'm doing and I'll go spend that time with him because I know that those opportunities are getting less and less as he's getting older. And it, you know, it allows him to know that we're still available for him, but, and, you know, that relationship is still, is still fresh and current. Um, and we're not, pushing him aside just because he's a teenager. So, you know, even if it's just 20, 20 minutes a week, um, do something together, bake a cake, cook dinner, go out, take somebody else's dogs as long as they're in agreement with it, take them out for a walk if you can, not at the moment because obviously all these restrictions are going on, but um, do something together, not watch a film Okay. I would say not watch a film, not watch a TV program together because you can do that anyway and it doesn't involve communication most of the time. Um, we've played board games together with all this lockdown going on. Uh, we've decided what meals we're cooking and he's in charge of cooking particular meals. Um, we've, you know, gone out for, he's chosen where we're going to go out for the walk, you know, stand at the, the front door every day for our hour and I say, right, you, you decide left, right, forward, backwards, and then he'll decide and that's what we'll do. Um, it makes that connection that we have much easier. Yeah, I miss him when he doesn't want to spend time with us. Of course I do, but I recognise that he's growing up. He's, he is growing away. So we have to make sure that we take time to build in activity that involves all of us. Um, so that we get the benefit of that relationship that we've enjoyed so far. So it's difficult, you know, it's not easy. Um, it's a job, I think, that never ends when you're parenting or looking after young people, coaching them. It's a job that never ends and you don't really, you don't really want it to end. It doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're young, teenagers, They've got kids of their own. They're still your kids. They're still going to need you. Um, and I wouldn't want it any other way, but I have to make sure that I've got stuff in place, especially with a strong-willed teenager. 
where I'm not having battles all the time, where he can see that I'm allowing him to grow, I'm allowing him to flourish and be his own person, but still be, you know, very, very integral part of our family and our extended family. So I hope my ramblings have made sense (laughs) to some of you. Maybe they've struck a chord with some of you. It's just, you know, while we're sitting here um, in a house, not able to do very much other than be together and spend time together, it was interesting observations that I've made over the past week. And I felt I wanted to share that in a in a podcast with you. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and um, that you look forward to the next episode. Let me know what you think. If you've had challenges with your strong-willed teenagers as well, drop me a message uh, on the Facebook page or Instagram page or just message me. Uh, you can find me on social media. Let me know what you think because um, it's good to talk as well as parents and people with you. Where we're dealing with young people, it's good to share, good to exchange ideas. So thank you very much for listening. And remember that in all that we're doing to um, continue to raise our kids to think and be successful. Mm -hmm.